welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you'd like to access helpful Growth Step resources. Join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you've learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. I told some of you about this last year when it happened, but we took our kids to the International Mall last year to see Santa and do that whole thing. And we were there, uh, and the kids were sitting on his lap, having a good time talking with Santa. And, and he, he told us about a boy who was there uh, earlier that day. And this, this little boy is sitting on his lap. He was there with his mom and dad. And he, Santa asked the little boy, he said, have you been a good boy this year? Are you going to be on the naughty list? Or are you going to be on the nice list or the naughty list? And, and the boy was like very emphatic. He's like, no, I, I've been nice. I'm on the nice list. I'm on the nice list. And, and Santa's like, okay, okay. And, and he, he pointed over at his mom who's standing there. And he said, how about mom? Has mom been nice this year? Is she on the nice list? And mom's sweating bullets at this point, right? And, and, and he goes, yes, mom has been very nice, you know, relieved and thankful for her child's grace. But then Santa looked over at dad. And, and he said to the, the boy, he said, how about dad? Has dad been on the nice list this year? And, and the boys, without even hesitating, he said, no. Dad cussed mom out all the way here today. <laughs> you know, some of you at Christmas, you, you do the Santa thing. You go visit Santa. Some of you don't. That's not part of your tradition. Some of you set up a Christmas tree and give gifts. Some of you, you don't. Uh, some of you grew up in colder climates. Some of you have never seen snow. There's a lot of different cultures and customs and traditions when it comes around holidays, but at Christmas, what I love, the thing that unites us is Jesus Christ, his birth. That's something that we all have in common because Jesus came to be the savior of the world, not just a select group. He came to be a savior of the world, and he came for us, and that's why we celebrate. That's why I love Christmas is because it's about Jesus, and we lift him up in a special way, and we celebrate him, and we honor him, and it brings people together. And I love that. I love that about Jesus. Right on? Matthew chapter 2 today is where we're going we're gonna to study and we're going to learn some things. I've titled today's message, Gift Exchange. How many of you have been to a gift exchange? You're going to a gift exchange. You know I'm talking about gift exchange. Most everybody in the room. If you're not, I want you to schedule one. Invite me. I'll come over and receive gifts anytime you want. It sounds fun. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in, in verse 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. 
Now it says that these magi come from a, a far off place. They come from another country. We know that because later it says they return to their own country. So they're, they're from a distant place. They make a long trip. They make an international trip to see a baby. Now it's something if you drive into another county or maybe to another state to celebrate a baby that's been born in your own family, but to travel internationally to see a baby born is a big deal for them. And uh, down in verse 9, after they had heard the king, so they, they stop and they, they visit King Herod on the way, and, and you know, they go and visit him on their way to find this baby. It says, after they stop and visit him, the star that they had seen when it rose ahead of them uh, and, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Everybody say overjoyed. Overjoyed. So they were excited. They were so happy. They were filled with joy. Verse 11 on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So they did three things. Did you notice that? They, they traveled really far to come visit Jesus. Number two, they, when they came, they, they bowed down. They, they worshipped this baby. They humbled themselves, and they gave their riches that they gave generously to Jesus. Now, what caused them to be overjoyed in doing these three things, none of which come naturally, none of which are easy? All of them required sacrifice to make a long trip, to bring treasures, to humble themselves as very uh, influential, uh, affluent people. They, they humble themselves before a baby in a very humble circumstance. What caused them to do all these things in joy? In joy. That's the question that I began with as I was preparing this message for us today because I think there's so many things in our life that we should do that either we don't or we do for other reasons, out of obligation or fear of letting someone down or just because we're committed to it. Maybe it's obligatory or maybe it's something that we feel pressure or maybe there's even self-motives, uh, self-interest motives to do it. If, we, if I do this, then I get a reward. It doesn't seem like these guys were doing what they were doing for any of those reasons. It didn't seem like a have to for them. They, they really wanted to do it. They, they wanted to travel afar. They, they wanted to humble themselves in this very humbling situation. They wanted to present their treasures. They gave their time and their effort and their treasures willingly, even though it was a big sacrifice. Why? Well, I think this is something that God does want us to do as we live our lives before him. In, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, Each of you should give whatever you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly and under no compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So when we, we bring our lives before God, we shouldn't do it because, well, I have to, or because I feel obligated to, or just even because I committed to do it. Certainly there's a time for following through on commitment, but... But these guys seem to, these magi, they seem to do this because they wanted to. And not just that they wanted to, but they were overjoyed. I want to live like that. I wonder if there's a way for me to learn from this whole Christmas experience and Christmas story on how I can live my life before God in a way that's a, that's a get to and not a have to. That, that, that I'm, and not even just that, but that I'm overjoyed in the process. That as I follow God, it's not a religious obligation, but I'm filled continually, overflowing with joy. That would be incredible. It seems like these, these magi knew something that Jesus' disciples also knew. Because if you know Jesus' disciples in the New Testament, if you know their story well, they suffered greatly for following Christ, and he warned them they would. He's, he said, come, follow me, take up your cross and follow me. 
So the cross was an instrument of death. We wear it around our necks, but, but people feared the cross because the cross is the place of death. And he said, come take up your cross and follow me. And this is before he was the symbol of our, of our faith, you know, hanging on a cross. That hadn't happened yet. He said, come, come die with me. This is essentially what he was saying. And, and, and what caused his disciples to seemingly do it with absolute joy? Even most of them all the way to their death. They were willing to follow Jesus. And these magi, they, they gave so much, it seems like they knew something. And here's what I think they knew. It's in your teaching notes. Jesus is worth far more than whatever I trade for his presence. I think that's what they knew. That Jesus is worth far more than whatever you trade for his presence. So, so whatever trade you make in order to spend time with Jesus, in order to get around him, to sacrifice for him, your trade is a good trade no matter what you give up. No matter what it is. Now his presence is free. I'm, I'm not implying here that you have to earn it in any way. That, that we, we give to God, we sacrifice for God, we do things for God, give of our time, our efforts, our, we humble ourselves before him, we, we give treasures to him. I'm not implying that we do those things so that we can have God's presence. His presence is accessible to us, we can come freely. However, here's what I'm saying, and I think this changes everything. You often have to make sacrifices of time, your effort, your treasures. You have to humble yourself. There's sacrifices that have to be made to experience the fullness of God's presence in the way that he wants. A few examples. One, you have to sacrifice time to, to get to know God's presence. This time of year is filled with busyness and, and chaos, isn't it? There's a lot of things going on that aren't happening other times of the year. So it's, for a lot of people, it's a really busy time. Some of you are shaking your heads like, yeah, I'm feeling that. So you have to make a sacrifice in this season to really experience the presence of Jesus and not just sing Christmas songs about him or go through the, the Christmas motions, but to really experience his presence, you have to give of your time to get the fullness of his presence. Do you see what I'm saying? His presence is free. You don't give to get in that way, but you have to make a sacrifice. And, and these magi, they made huge sacrifices just to go and have some moments with this baby Jesus because they knew whatever they traded was a good trade. And whatever time you give up this Christmas season to get along with Jesus, it's a good trade. Because you're going to get something that's far greater than whatever you give up. They knew that, and that changed everything for them. They knew that Jesus was always a worthwhile trade. What trades have you been making, possibly in this recent season of your life, where you have traded away time with God, where you have traded away effort that maybe you once exerted towards Christ and his kingdom, or maybe treasures that you once poured out at his feet where have you traded and given up those things because you were chasing something else you know anytime you want to experience something significant it usually requires sacrifice right if if we want to experience time with God it's going to take our effort it's going to take a sacrifice Jennifer and I hadn't been on a date until this last week. It was my birthday. We got to go out on a birthday date, and we hadn't been on a date for maybe, it's been quite a while, and we were so excited to get out, and, and part of it is just we've been busy, and it, and it takes a sacrifice to, for a, a couple to go out on a date, when you, especially when you have kids, four kids especially, because you've got you to gotta line up a babysitter, find someone who's crazy enough to watch four kids, right? You, you, have, to, you, have, to, you have to spend the treasure. You have to spend some money on babysitting and money to maybe go out to eat or whatever you're going to go do for your activity. 
right? You have to, a lot of the time, you have to block it out in your schedule and ahead of time plan to not do anything else in that period. You have, to, you have to schedule it and set it up and decide where you're going to go. It requires quite a bit of time. We, we were actually out. We went, we went down uh, downtown Tampa, and as we were heading down towards Hyde Park, uh, we stopped at West Shore Mall just to pick up something real quick. And we, we, ran, we went in the door, uh, went through Dick's Sporting Goods, walked into the mall. And, and if you've ever been to West Shore Mall and you've gone in through the Dick's Sporting Goods entrance, um, right inside the mall they have set up a little cornhole game. And there was, the cornhole setup was there. No one was playing on it. And, and just as we walked by, I instinctively, because I love games and competitions, I just, I picked up the beanbags. And I gave three to Jennifer, and I took three. And I didn't even ask if she wanted to play. I just, to kind of pull her in, I just tossed one. And it landed right on the, right on the, the cornhole mat. And so I, I, I didn't get it in the hole, which is when you get the most points. But you get a point if you land it on the board. And so mine landed on the board. And I, I kind of looked at her with a grin like, you in? <laughs> and she's like, I'll humor you. You know, it's like, okay, whatever makes you happy. And so she threw it. And, and she missed. It was close, but, but she missed. and landed on the, on the ground. And so I, I just looked at her as a compassionate husband. And I, and I said, it's okay, babe. I've, I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> and she looked back at me with this look like, really? Like, you're going you're gonna to say that, like, really? Like, you've had a lot of practice. Like, ooh, you're amazing. <laughs> like, you landed the beanbag on the board. So, so I throw my next one. I, I don't know. I might have made, barely made it on the board or something. And, and, and she, without hesitation, she throws hers in there, and, and it lands closer to the hole than mine did this time. I'm like, I woke up something inside her just now. <laughs> So I throw my, my last one. I don't even know if I made it on the board this time, but I, I got kind of close, and, 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 she, and she looks at my, my beanbag that's on the board close to the hole, which you want to get in the hole because you get the most points. And she looks at mine that's close, and she says, if I hit yours and it goes in, do you get points? And I said, well, yeah, I do. And, and she said, okay. And, and she winds up, and she tosses her beanbag. It sails over my beanbag right into the hole. <laughs> She didn't say anything. She just walked away all confidently like, yeah, that's right. Tell me you practice. I'll show you practice. <laughs> man, it, it, took some, it, it took some sacrifice for us to get that time alone. But, man, it was worth it. We, we had a great night out, great conversations, no distractions. It was so enriching for us. But I just thought, man, we wouldn't have had that moment, <laughs> that humbling moment for me. We wouldn't have had those, the conversations over the dinner table at Bar Taco if we, wouldn't have, if we wouldn't have made the sacrifice and made the commitment and the expense. of Whatever the things that were involved in doing that, we wouldn't have experienced that. And here's all I'm saying. God is freely accessible. You don't, have to, you don't have to give anything in a sense to experience his presence. He's freely come. But if you're not willing to make sacrifices then you will miss out on the fullness of what, what Jesus has for you. These magi never would have been in the Christmas story. They never would have met Jesus personally if they wouldn't have made sacrifices. They said, I'm willing to travel far. I'm willing to bring my best gifts. I'm willing to humble myself before this baby in a very humbling circumstance. Why, why? Because I want to experience the presence and the closeness of Jesus. Do you love him that much? Do you want him that much that you'll make sacrifices? Or is it only if he's convenient? Is it only if he's right there and it's just easily accessible and you can just, no effort, no problems. See, some of us are missing out on what God has for us. We're missing out on the fullness of his presence because we're making trades. Even trades for good things. Things that God created and intended for your life. Some of us in the room are, are making the trade for our career. Our career has become far too important. It's important, yes, 
but it's become so important that it's crowding out more important things like relationship with God and maybe with family or others. Financial goals could have become all-consuming in your mind or maybe even comfort or sleep, hobbies, friendships, family even, which is a great gift of God, but comfort, whatever it might be, there's so many things that can crowd out and compete for the presence of God in your life. Now, again, what I'm not, what I'm not saying is that, that God is only in an isolated spot in your, in your life. He's there next to your, your chair that you sit in in the morning when you have time with him, or he's there at the nightstand, or he's here in, in service. I'm not saying he's only in those places. He's everywhere and all the time. So you're saying, well, Brandon, can I not experience God's presence at work? Absolutely you can. All I'm saying is you can freely come. And he is everywhere. But to experience him in the, in the way that he wants you to experience, you're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to make trades. What have you been trading in, in a bad way? What have you been trading away so that you miss out on the presence of God? See, Jesus is worth it. And, and they knew that. They knew that this long trip, man, it's, it's, it's a lot of work to take a long trip. And you got to pack and you got to plan. It's a lot of effort. But they knew that just a moment in his presence was worth it. It was worth it. What trade do you need to make this Christmas season to get closer to Jesus? You know, I asked earlier if you've been to a gift exchange. And I, I got to see a gift exchange. And, man, it was so funny to watch because, you know, everybody was instructed to come with, I don't know, like $10 in, in, in these gifts that they had brought and they were going to, you know, exchange them. They were wrapped. You didn't know what you were going to get until you got it. And at the end, you can steal other gifts. Have you been in these kind of, like, white elephant gift exchanges, these kinds of things? And it's fun at the end to watch because people who came into the room, and they, know, they knew full well that these gifts were of very low monetary value, relatively speaking. $5, $10 gifts, or in some cases, white elephant gift exchanges, something you found around your house or in your garage. It's something of very low value. But when there's a half a dozen or a dozen different gifts in the room that can be traded and different gifts that can be won and lost, in the final round of stealing a gift, meaning you get to look at everybody, you know, if it's your turn, you get to look at every gift in the room and you can go and you can take one, but then you got to give them yours. You know the kind of gift exchange I'm talking about. It's so funny to me to watch these because what, what everybody knew going in was all gifts of low value that would be easily attainable, none of them really worth great wealth or anything like this, People will compete and almost fight over these very worthless gifts, like a bag of candy or something. But because it has a perceived greater value than something that they might have, they're willing to even, not risk of friendships is a slight exaggeration, but willing to offend someone who's like, oh, this is my thing. I'll steal that from you because I want the greater thing. Like, it's not even about the thing. It's about winning. It's, it's about getting something better than what you had. It's about trading up. It's about moving from something of lower value to higher value, even though all of it really relatively was not that big of a deal. It's like, I really want that thing. And you, and you sit in that seat every day. You don't even realize it, but... But you're, you're, you're stealing. You're making trades. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this up so that I can, give, I can get that. Man, I, I want to take this and I want to give this up. I, I, man, I want more in my career, so I'm willing to trade time with family. Really. Well, be careful because, because it might be the devil who's the one that's actually stealing because he's dangling in front of you. You'll be happy when you get this, but what you have right in front of you that you're giving up is actually a terrible trade. And we do this with God all the time. 
The devil's like, you'll be happy if you can go do this, attain this, accomplish this, experience this. But, but, but the, what's, what's happening is it tells us in John 10, 10 is that he's a thief and he comes to steal. He's stealing away from you the gift, the free gift of God's presence. Not that he can take it from you as a believer, but he can distract you from it. He can get you to make bad trades so that you don't get to really enjoy it like you could. And, and I wonder how many of us are making a terrible gift exchange this Christmas season where we're, we're not taking the gift of God's presence. We're not experiencing it in the way that God wants us to. You know, growing up as a pastor's kid, I, I heard a lot of messages in my life and been around the Bible for a lot of years. And I, I've, I've heard preachers say so many times a phrase that maybe you've heard, you can't outgive God. And maybe, maybe you've heard that before. I've, I've, what, is, what does that actually mean, though? You can't outgive God. You know, I, I think it, it actually comes, at least in part, from the verse that was right before the verse I read to you earlier. You know, some, some people excuse themselves out of making sacrifices for God because they say, well, God, look, look at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It tells me that I should only give to God. I should only sacrifice to God if it's like, if I can do it cheerfully. And I, I, don't, I don't feel cheerful about it, so I'm just not going to. And God's good with that. He's good with me not giving to him of my time, my effort, my treasures, whatever, because I'm supposed to do it with happiness and not under compulsion, which is true. But the verse right before that's interesting because it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So I have to be careful because, yes, I'm supposed to give cheerfully, but if, if, I, if I make small sacrifices, I can expect a small return. The Magi could have said over and wherever they lived in the east, far away from Bethlehem, they could have said, we would love to give Jesus a gift, but, man, it's a lot of work to make a road trip, an international road trip. This is pre-Delta, pre-Southwest Airlines. I got to get on this animal, and I got to ride a long way. That's going to be a lot of effort. Let's Amazon ship these gold, frankincense, and myrrh gifts. Let's just next day ship them over there. He'll totally understand, right? The guy will pull up and ring the doorbell, leave it on the doorstep. We're good. I mean, they could have sent them by some other means, right? They could have had some servants for them take the gifts, but they said, no, no, no. I kind of want this to cost me something. I want there to be sacrifice because there's something about actually being in his presence. There's something about actually just showing up and being there because I know that by being there, I'm going to be blessed. And, and the more that I can give, the more that I'm going to get. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive him. And so whatever I trade to get around God more, I'm going to get far more back. But there's a little problem with this statement that I always heard growing up. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. It's like, well, yeah, then I'm, I'm going to start giving to God because I'm going to get more. But here's the thing. Let's, let's use time as an example. If I give more time to God, I can expect a return on that, that, that my time is going to be blessed, that I'm going to get more out of that time when I give more of my time to God, whatever that is, uh, worshiping, serving him, praying, reading his word. I know I'm going to be blessed through that. I can't outgive God. I give up. He gives more. We, we're, we're there. But the problem for me is this. What about the disciples? What about the disciples? Most of them, the close followers of Jesus, they gave so much time, all their time. They traded their careers. They were fishermen, a lot of them, tax collector. I mean, all these different uh, professions. And they said, all right, we're going to come follow you. We're going to be missionaries with you, co-laborers in the kingdom of God, spread the gospel. This is going to be exciting. They traded all their time. Yet their time was cut short. 
So they gave a currency. Some would contend a currency that's worth more than money because you can get more money. There's ways to earn more money, but you can't get more time. However many your days are, that's what they are. I mean, you, when you're done, you're done. You get one life here on earth. And they gave, they gave their time, but their time was cut short. And some of them, in a, a very brutal way, their time was cut short. So did they outgive God? It kind of seems that they did. I mean, they made a huge sacrifice of their time. And what did they get for it? I mean, they could have, some of these guys could have made a big fishing career. They could have had some wealth. They could have had a lot of great moments out on the fishing boat. They could have retired together, sat around the campfire, and, you know, told stories about when they were young and the fish that they caught and the great experiences that they had. They could have gone road trips together. There's so much that they could have done, but yet they all died very early age. Some would say the 20s, 30s, I mean, very, very early in their life. Their, their lives were cut short. These young men, what? Why can we say you can never outgive God? It seems to me that they gave and they got less. Yeah, I think if we step back and we look at the full picture, if we look at the full story, they didn't actually give more than God gave them, did they? No, because, see, God said when they crossed the finish line for them and they, they, they entered into his presence personally, eternally, and they entered paradise, God said, welcome home. You have unlimited time. You could have used your 80 years or however many years I gave you on earth for yourself, but because you traded that time, not that you earned this gift of heaven, but, but the reward for you, for giving your life to me, giving all your time to me, is unlimited time. It's infinite. It's eternal. Welcome to eternity in paradise. And by the way, it's better than anything that you could have experienced on earth. The Bible says, no mind has imagined, no eye has seen. We have no idea how incredible it is. And so when they were welcomed into paradise, even though their time on earth was cut short, God outgave them significantly. So here's what all I'm saying. No matter what you trade for God and his presence or his kingdom, to share the gospel, to expect to extend his work in the world, whatever it is you give to God in any category, even if from the lens of a human perspective, it seems like you gave more than you got. I'm just telling you, trust God. You can't outgive him. There's just no way. He's too kind. He's too generous. He's too good. He has too much plan for you. So this is why this is so amazing. This is how you can make incredible sacrifices for God, see God show up in amazing ways in your life and do it with joy. When you understand this, what you just wrote down, that, that any trade that I make, I, that I, I can't outgive God, that, that God's so generous, that you can give like these magi in huge ways. They traveled afar. They humbled themselves before a baby, and they gave their treasures, even of gold. They did it, and it says they were overjoyed. They were filled with joy. How can you do that? How can a disciple stand before death and say, it's okay, I'm not recanting my faith? How can you do that? I mean, some of us are just struggling to stand up for our faith at work or give God 15 minutes every morning or an hour every Sunday. How can we give such great significant gifts to God and do it with joy in our heart and not reluctance, not guilt, not obligation, not religious duty? It's understanding this. Every trade I make with God's a good trade. I can't outgive God. He's so generous. It's always going to be better on the end. You know, these magi had great riches. It's pretty clear that they had great wealth and prosperity to some extent. Yet they wanted something better, so they made a trade. I'm going to give them my time, my efforts, my treasures, because I want something better. Well, some people 
kind of get this. I think I sometimes kind of get this. And on my bad days, I, I, still, I still will give sometimes to God, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it because I know it's the right answer or because I think I'm still going to get something for me out of it. And you can do that, and I think that most times you'll still come out ahead. When you live generously before God, God, I want to give my life to you, I think you're still going to come out ahead, but there's actually a better way to give because some of us are giving. Like, for example, we might serve because we just enjoy the people that we serve with, and there's friendships there. Or we might give to somebody. There's a need at Christmas. There's a lot of hey, needs, and, and there's things that we can do and give away. I mean, that's, that's really cool. But we do it because it makes us feel good, not because, like, God, this is my worship to you. It's, that's still good. I mean, right, you understand, like, that you're still making a difference in someone's life if you give because it's, there's a need and it makes you feel good. This is why there's such confusion sometimes. Well, this person doesn't believe in God and they're such a good person. Well, yeah, they're, they're doing it because that makes them feel like a good person. They, they genuinely feel like this is what I should do. This makes me feel good. I don't believe there's any God or faith or anything, but, I, well, they're such a good person. They are, and they're doing it because, really, ultimately, self-interest. Usually, it, usually it's like, well... I feel like this is the right thing to do. I feel like this is what's best for humanity or for me or whatever. But there's actually a better way to give of your life that results in greater joy than any of these other reasons because I get something out of it in return. What if you could mature spiritually this Christmas season and you could give in a different way? And here it is in your notes. We don't give to get. We give to get closer. We, we give to get closer. So the, the Magi, think about all their gifts. Every one of them, they were giving to get, but not get something from him. They already had treasures. They weren't giving because they were hoping that he would give back more treasures. As far as we know, they were giving because they wanted to get closer. Because they knew if they traveled afar, sacrifice, then I'm going to be closer to Jesus. They, they knew that if, if they humble themselves before this baby, they're going to get closer. They're like, they're pulling in. They knew that if they brought their treasures, they're getting closer. They're saying, man, I want to give more because as I give, I'm going to get closer. So my giving in whatever way that I give to the Lord should be so that I can worship him, so I can get closer to him. Adoration is the highest motivation. Adoration, like, I love you so much, I'll do whatever. That's, that's where real love springs out of is if you really, genuinely care and, and you adore, then my motivation is strong and significant. I'll give anything. I'll give my life because I love. So my greatest gift and the real gift exchange is when I give, not to get something back. Well, this makes me feel good. Oh, man, I'm going to make some good friendships out of this. God might bless me if I do this. No, no, no. It's fine. I'm not saying that that's all inherently wrong. I'm just saying there's actually a better motivation, adoration. Give to get closer to God, to worship him. Now, you can freely come to him. You don't have to make a sacrifice. I'm trying to make that clear today. It's not something that you earn. I'm just simply saying what the Magi did. What the Magi did is more than, more than just a historical story. It's a model for us. I think it's in there for a purpose, that they, they were willing to make a sacrifice. They came from afar. They traveled. They gave of their gifts. They adored this baby. It's saying, he's worth it. He's the king. This, this matters. The reason that the heavens broke open with angels is because this was not another birth. This was something significant. So do I really want God this Christmas season, or do I really just want something from him? He loves to give. He's a good father. It's not wrong to desire something from the hand of a father. For a child to come to a, a mother and say, I, I need something. It's not anything wrong with that. But what every loving parent wants is for the child to come out of love. They want them out of care to come and spend time with them. 
more spiritual transformation in our lives is going to come when it's less about a transaction. Because transactions don't typically lead to transformations. But when I come because I adore him and I want to come, that's when my life has actually changed. So here's a question for you just to think about here this Christmas. Is there any reluctance? Is there any obligation in your giving to God? I'm not just, we usually talk about at Christmas, you know, people give. It's, it's a, a tangible thing, like a gift that you give or a monetary thing you give to help somebody. But what I'm actually saying is, is the wholeness, the, the holistic totality of your giving your surrender to God, is there any part of that that's kind of reluctant? Is there anything, as I asked last week, that used to be I want to, but now it's an I have to? I have to do that. Is there anything? Examine that. Press into that pain because it's uncomfortable. I don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when I feel uncomfortable or uneasy about something. And to just think about, well, why do I feel like I have to do that? Maybe just sit on that this week. This used to be a want to, and now it's an I have to. Why is that? Because here's why I think you should spend a little more time on that. God hasn't changed. So, so if it used to be I want to, oh, God, whatever it takes. And now it's like, well, if you need me, I guess if I have to, I'm willing. It's not that God changed. Nothing over here in the I want to has changed. Like, God is still amazing. His grace is incredible. His sacrifice for you through Jesus' death on the cross, the birth of the Son, the Messiah, the King of kings, like, that's, that's all remained the same. So if, if my, my once want to is now a have to, something else has changed, and it's not God. It's probably something in me. I've drifted. Maybe I'm too busy now, but busy is not better than God's presence. Maybe I'm too focused on wealth, but wealthy is not better than God's presence. Maybe I'm too concerned with my comfort or pleasure, how I feel, but comfort and pleasure are not better. Maybe I'm too wrapped up and worried about my, fr- my family and friends and what they think of me or what I need to do for them. And that's good, but that's not better than God's presence. Or maybe you're consumed with romance and finding a special someone or pleasing a special someone. That's good, but it's, it's not better than God's presence. You might be consumed with success or accomplishment, but I'm telling you, that's not better than God's presence. You might be concerned about your legacy and are you going to make a difference or live a life? Your time is short. That's not better than God's presence. See, nothing is better than the presence and the power of God in your life. So whatever you trade for his presence, you get something back better. You get God himself. You get his presence. And it's far better than whatever you're chasing. So I'm just asking you to give yourself a gift this Christmas season and re-examine the exchanges that you're making. What gift exchange are you trading for when you could be receiving more of God's presence in your life. You know, I take a, a quick moment, and I want you just to think about for a second, what's the best gift anyone's ever given you? Because you just think about it. And it doesn't have to be the best. I know that's pretty comprehensive, especially some of you are, you know, you're, you're a little bit past 19 years old, and so you're like, well, that's a lot of gifts. Okay, what, what have I, what, so, but think about your life. Like, what, I, I've had a lot of gifts in my years. What, what's, what's one of my best gifts? You got one in mind? Just real quick, turn to somebody next to you, if you, someone around you, tell them what that gift was, all right? Just real quick, what, what was it? One of the greatest gifts you've ever received. So do you have one in mind? Here's, here's one of the, the best gifts I ever received. I received it actually just a few days ago. It was crazy. So I woke up, it was my birthday, and I thought the family would do something because it's a tradition in our house to celebrate that person and make them feel special, but I had no idea what I woke up into as I walked out of our, our bedroom and I walked into the kitchen and the family had set up for me 
on the, on the table a walk down memory lane. And I couldn't believe it. They had, they had taken the time. I was out of town a few weeks ago, and they'd taken the time. They went in the garage. They found these old bins from elementary school and middle school and high school. I had a couple bins filled with some treasures from my childhood. And, and they pulled out they my basketball jersey they had sitting there from high school. They, they put it out over the chair. And, and, and there was this little checkered cap that I got and I wore all the time when I was a young boy. I, I got it at the Indianapolis 500 time trials. I went there with my dad and I wore that hat. I wore it out. <laughs> it's like it used to be black and white, right? But it's like it's all like the white is all stained and tan now because I had wore it so much. You know, they had, they had special mementos and moments and little pennants that I had hung in my room uh, when I was a little boy from uh, cross-country trips that our family had done together. I had all these amazing memories. Just, they were spread out. It just blew me away. It was emotional. It was like, wow. Like, all these memories had come flooding back. And over on the fridge, they had found my old magnet collection that I didn't even knew I had saved. But I had got these magnets from all the different places I had traveled around. And they, they stuck up on the fridge, you know. Uh, news article that maybe that I was in, like a little uh, report card thing from school or something like that. All these just past memories. And it was just amazing, all the memories that, that flooded back. And then we sat down at, at, in the couch and they had a couple presents for me. And, and probably what was most sentimental is the, the kids had made these really cool, like oversized cards. And the, the two girls got together and they, they took a picture with themselves with a bunch of their favorite things. And they said, Dad, like we're, we're talking about favorite things, and you're one of our favorite things, and here's how all of our favorite things remind us of you. And I, one of them that was funny, they said, Dad, our Ken doll, our Barbie Ken doll, it, it reminds us of you because you're as handsome as a Ken doll. That's what they said. And the boys' card, they had all the pictures of their basketball cards on there, and they were relating me to different players. Uh, and then they, they had one of them, they said, Dad, you made a slam dunk when you married mom like Anthony Davis makes a slam dunk. It's like, they, they, it, was, it was a cool moment, you know. But it was just, in some ways, very simple, but, but over the top, you know, that they had taken the time to make me feel value. And, and you know what, I, I thought about that as I reflected back on it. Not, not only one is the boys were right, I made a slam dunk. Thank you, Jen, that was incredible. But, but, but it really takes a lot of sacrifice and effort to give a good gift, doesn't it? I mean, it's not bad if you just give someone a, a note or a gift card. That's, that's really generous to bless someone in that way. And you, some of you are like, you are already done with Christmas shopping because you just got like seven gift cards and you're done. Woo! All right, congratulations. That's good. And, I'm, and I think they will feel valued in that, that you gave something. I'm not trying to minimize it, but here's what I'm saying. If you want to give a gift that someone, when I ask, what's your favorite gift? And they're like, it was that. Like, that was the gift. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. It takes time. To give our greatest gifts, it actually requires us to make a sacrifice. If it doesn't cost me something, then I'm probably not giving my greatest gift. And it's a lot of effort to give a big gift. And giving a big gift is a big deal. But it's also interesting to me here that as these magi gave their big gift and they traveled a long distance to visit Jesus, they did it for a very specific purpose. The reason why they gave a big gift is because they wanted to get closer to Jesus. Again, they could have given just a big gift if they would have shipped it to him. But they said, no, no, no. We're not shipping in our big gift. We're showing up. It's going to cost us, but we want to show up. We want to be there in the room with the presence of Jesus. We want to actually get eyes on him. We want, we want to give him everything. And, and here's why this is so transformational. The best gift that you can actually give 
And the best that you've actually received was probably not the first thing you just thought of when you thought of a tangible gift. The best gift you actually can give someone is to actually show up and be in the room with them. Now, you might not be able to travel a 1,000 miles and see someone and be in the room with them like that, but what I'm saying is the people around you, they need you to give your best gift to them because they matter to God, and they need you to show up and actually be there. They need you to look them in the eyes, and with your body language, show them that you love them, and your kids need you to put down your phone and focus on them, and your friends and your family and the people that you gather with this Christmas season need you to put your list away and put your laptop away and put the things that are on your mind aside so you can actually give them the best gift, which is for you to actually show up. Your presence is a powerful gift. Your presence, when you show up, and think about it when it comes to God. God actually, even though, even though he loves when I give of my time and my energy and my efforts and my treasures, the greatest gift that I can give God is my presence. When I show up in his presence and I say, God, I want to be around you. I want to be with you. I want to know you. That's when God smiles down on my life. He's like, yes, now you understand. I don't need treasures from your hand. All of it's mine anyway. What I need is your heart. That's what I want. So the real gift this Christmas season is presence. And I put it this way in your notes. Presence is the greatest present. Presence. It's the greatest present. Not just to pray to God with words, but with my heart and my emotion. Not just to notice God, but to think about God with my best thinking and my best thoughts. Not just to sing lyrics to God, but to sing with all my passion to him. God wants my presence. He wants me to show up. But we couldn't finish this message without coming full circle. Because when we talk about presence being the greatest present, here's the whole story of Christmas and why all this matters so much and why do we unite together around Christmas. Because the amazing thing is that God loved you so much that he saw the mess that we were in. He saw the mess that your sins made and the problems and the pain in this world. And he looked down and he saw all of it. And he could have shipped down a solution to us, right? He could have packaged up some presence of God, and he could have sent it by an angel. God could have sent down a solution. He could have dropped down a blessing from heaven, a little cleanup crew of his angels to come and fix some of our problems. He could have shipped it to us, but he said, no, that's not good enough. The best gift I could give these people that I love that have ruined everything that I've created is my presence, is if I actually show up. And so Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us. He showed up. He came in the form of a baby, a coming king, and he says, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to be in your pain. I'm going to be in your problems. Think about Jesus. What did he do? Jesus walked in your flip-flops. He was tempted like you're tempted. He ate and he drank. He slept. He had flesh on his bones, but because he was divine, he didn't partake in the flesh. He never sinned, but he showed up. And these, these magi, they realized something. I hope you realize this Christmas season that when Jesus shows up, I need to show up. I need to bring my presence because his presence is transformational. And they were overjoyed. They were filled with joy because they made the trade. They made a sacrifice. What would you be willing to give up to get closer to Jesus this Christmas? Whatever you give up, I'm telling you, you will get back so much more. If you want to turn your have to into an I get to, you got to rediscover his amazing presence this Christmas season. My hope is that you will respond to the gift God's given you, and you will give him and the people around you the gift they really want this Christmas season. And that's the, your full undivided attention, your presence. Right on? 
Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.